Welcome uh, to our newest episode of the Lebanese Physicians uh, Podcast. And uh, last time we did an episode on uh, medical training in Germany. And today, actually, we decided to do one on medical training in the UK. Uh, we were called The Road to Medical Training in the United Kingdom. And uh, with us is Dr. Violetta Yamin, uh, who uh, basically has lived in a lot of places. She was born and raised in Venezuela, did her high school there, then moved to Beirut, Lebanon, where she did her bachelor's in biology and also in philosophy at the American University of Beirut, and then subsequently actually moved to Cyprus, where she did her medical school there at the St. George's University of London affiliated medical school, actually spent a year in the United States in Baltimore with the University of Maryland affiliated hospital for her third year of medical school, and then finished the medical school in Cyprus. And currently... She is talking to us from her uh, quarantine at her apartment in uh, the UK, where she will be joining Oxford-affiliated hospitals as a junior physician. That's a, that's a new term for the UK, which we just learned, uh, in, in general medicine. And our co-host will be Dr. Eli Gabi, who actually is born and raised in Lebanon, that is medical school at the University of Belamand. And uh, currently relocated to Baltimore, where he is a postdoctoral fellow at uh, Johns Hopkins University and the Department of Surgery, uh, studying pancreatic cancer. Uh, welcome to both of you to the podcast. Thank you. So, Violetta, you've got an interesting uh, <laughs> history. And, Sorry uh, for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, 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 tell us about tell us about your story first i mean before we start like you went from venezuela to lebanon to cyprus to the uk so how did this come about yeah so um, being born in venezuela both of my parents are lebanese so when i finished my high school i decided to go study in lebanon and uh, i did most of my undergrads there i did a bachelor in biology and a bachelor in philosophy at aub uh, however, unfortunately, I was not accepted for medical school there. So I started to look options outside of Lebanon. And Cyprus was actually quite a common option amongst AUB medical like pre-med students. I, came, I went to Cyprus uh, for my interview with the medical school and to also tour the university. And I was able to shadow a couple of classes. And that made me fall in love obviously with med school and with the university in Cyprus. And so I decided to take the offer. And I moved there back in 2016. I did my first two years there. I then did my third year of medical school, which is the clinical rotation years in Baltimore, Maryland. I did a couple of rotations as well for fourth year medical school there. Then I came back to Cyprus. The pandemic hit. Uh, in early 2020. Uh, so some of our rotations at the end of the year were, had to be canceled. And uh, a year later, I'm now in the UK. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. So Violeta, just, uh, just let me ask a quick question. Since you were researching medical schools, uh, both in Lebanon and uh, elsewhere, uh, why choose a medical school in Cyprus in particular? Uh, first of all, it was so close to Lebanon that obviously that's a selling point for us Lebanese. Second, it was actually quite a common option amongst the AUB students. I knew that many of them were already there in Cyprus. 
so it was comforting knowing that I would be going to a place where there are people with similar stories than me. So I wouldn't be, let's say, the odd one out and I can relate to some people. Uh, when I came here, for, when I went to Cyprus, sorry, uh, for the interview, I love the, the country. I love the city. You know, it, it has a really good quality of life. Uh, it's not that expensive. So I just, I went for it. And uh, so, so basically, you were in Cyprus, you did a medical school. And what prompted you to apply to the United Kingdom? I guess potentially it could be the affiliation of your medical school with exactly. the UK. But uh, so was that what prompted you to apply to the UK? Or did you consider applying to other places at the same time? Exactly. So uh, because we received a British medical degree, our application pathway for the UK to become junior doctors in the UK, it's actually really, really smooth, especially when you compare it to students that are coming from non-British medical schools. Our application is actually relatively free. You don't have to pay to apply. You just have to pay to maybe translate some documents, depending on where your undergrad university was at. But the application in and of itself is actually free. It's a very smooth process. And because the university is a British university, they have close ties to the application center in the United Kingdom. And whatever question we have about the application or anything else, we just ask them, they ask the UK and they let us know. So that's really what, makes all the students almost at my university apply to the UK. And that's where the majority of students end up post-graduation. So basically similar to like when you're at AUB in Lebanon or even other universities, everybody sort of applies to the US just as exactly. AUB. yeah. And when one person does something, it sets also the tone for the others because then the, when you struggle with something and then you can teach the, let's say the students that are younger than you and they teach the others. And so it becomes a trend where year by year, the application pathway just becomes much easier for us, especially since 2019, that it was fully open for students that, have, that do not have a British or European citizenship to apply. Prior to that, it was a different process. And well, you also asked uh, if I looked into other places. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So lots of students as well from my university also applied to the U.S. And that is something that I'm also looking at. I've been studying for my steps, doing the whole application process. So most of the students from my university end up either in the U.S. or in the U.K. You explained the application process quite, uh, quite in a lot of detail. And thank you for that. But I guess the burning question is how much would it cost to apply to the, the U.K.? So if you can briefly just break down the, the expenses of, uh, of, you know, the whole process of applying and yeah. you, know, you have to go back and forth. Uh, so to the UK, uh, to be completely honest with you, I only had to pay to convert my undergraduate degrees from an American GPA system to a UK point system. And you do that with an external company. It's not related to the UK. I paid for that, which was a couple hundred dollars. And that's all I had to pay. Unlike the US, you do not pay to apply for a specific number of programs. So that's a really, like that's a, a selling point, let's say, for the UK application. Now, 
because I graduated from a British medical school, I have what is called the provisional registration with the GMC, the Medical Council of the UK. You need the registration with the GMC in order to be able to actually practice medicine within the UK. Luckily, because I graduated from a British medical school, I have that. Other students that do not graduate from a British medical school need to apply for that one. There, there are two pathways, two main pathways to apply for it. The first one being uh, you have to do your PLAB exams, which probably some of the students are familiar with. There's the PLAB 1 and PLAB 2. I think each one is around $800 or pounds around that price. So when it comes to international medical graduates, yes, that is a significant expense. And also because you need to be in the UK to do your second PLAB. So that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. The second pathway to apply for a general medical council registration with the UK is having done your either your US boards, i.e. your step one, step two, your Canadian boards, or your Australian boards. And in addition, you need to have done a year of internship, a year of actually working as a doctor. So those are the two ways that you can receive a GMC registration that would allow you to actually work as a doctor in the UK. So luckily I went to the easier pathway. That's the one that applies to me. And that's why the process for me was very smooth. So, so to summarize, yeah, so to summarize what, what you said, if you are in a British medical school, then you are immediately GMC accredited. And you can apply directly to the UK. If you are graduating from a non-British medical school, there are two pathways. Either you do your PLAB exams, and the second one, you would have to travel over there and do it there, and, and then get GMC accredited. Or you would have to be US, Canadian, or Australian accredited, and have done one year of internship uh, elsewhere uh, before you can get your GMC accreditation. Once you have that, you can apply, and it's an application fee applying for multiple programs and not similar to the ERA system in the US where you pay per program that you apply to. Exactly, correct. And how, how much is that fee? The fee, no, it's for free. There's no fee to actually register. There's no, there's no account. fee at all. So you can just register no. for free. Yes. That's something that I was shocked at since we always hear about the expenses that you need to apply to the US. Right. So, and and yeah. to Germany, when I did the, the Germany one, too, there were a lot of expenses to apply to Germany, too. Yeah. But, okay. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not complaining. <laughs> so uh, we all know there's a lot of differences between going to the U.S. and going to the U.K., especially, you know, the whole uh, exams and requirements. So if a person were to start planning for uh, going to the U.K., had they, you know, already started working on their U.S. requirements, how different would it be? So will they need to, you know, start over or have a new process, new paperwork, or is it more or less, uh, there's a lot of common ground that they can just branch out and apply to the U.K.? So unfortunately, there isn't a lot of common ground between both applications. So when I, when I was working for both applications, I have to do them in parallel. Same with my medical school. So, for example, the UK takes major, major emphasis on your medical school grades 
something that the US uh, residency application system does not, especially if you're an IMG, they don't really look at that. However, it's the major, one of the major aspects of the UK application. So um, apart from that, uh, there's also a different, let's say, a deep statement, just like for the US application, you have the MSPE form that the school needs to provide you with. For the UK one, it's uh, the Dean statement that also needs to follow a specific format that is needed for the UK application. And you can also find that format online just in case your school is not familiar with it. So there isn't really the same paperwork, nor the same exams, nor the same application system for both countries. So if you're looking into applying for both of them, you need to have them in parallel have separate timelines for each and be aware of what each one needs because it's a completely different system for each one. And one more question just to go back to the financials uh, that I uh, got is the PLABs themselves, I'm sure you have to pay a fee to do them, right? Yeah. Do you know by any chance what that fee is? Or? I think it was around 800 for each exam. Okay. And I know that there are some courses as well online that are a thousand or two thousand dollars to if you want to study for that exams with those courses. Okay. But I think the courses are also done in the UK, so you must be in the UK if you want to attend those courses right. because they're not so widespread as the USMLE, let's say. And does it help to go and do electives in the UK prior to applying? Actually, the application does not ask you if you have ever rotated in the UK. So yes, you can go, you can see if you like the environment, if you like working at the hospital there, but technically speaking, it will neither benefit you nor harm your application if you go or if you do not go there. Wow. So basically, you're, how are you chosen? Let's say you went to an Oxford right, university-affiliated hospital. How are you chosen to go there? Is it based on your grades or just based on where the positions are open? Uh, so also, uh, different than the US, the application system here is completely anonymous. They don't actually read application by application. The way that it works is that the United Kingdom Foundation Program Office, the UKFBO, they are the ones that receive all the applications from all the applicants. Every application gets assigned a point system, a point number, a, a score, let's say, that is based on your medical school grades, one of the ethics exams that you need to do, your, if you have one or two publications, if you have a previous degree, such as a bachelor, a master's, or a PhD. Taking all of those into account, the maximum number of points that you can have is 100. Based on that, based on the point that every person has to their application, the algorithm organizes us from highest score application to the lowest one. They, I think it's around 7,500 people that applied last year, for example. Now, at the same time in our application, we would have ranked the UK states in order of preference. So unlike the US, we don't apply to hospitals. We actually apply to states or to areas in the UK. The algorithm will then 
assign the first person in that list will give them their first choice of state. The second person will also receive their first choice, the third person as well. Now, when the system comes to someone whose first choice is already full, they will be allocated to their second preference and so on and so on until all the spots are filled. Usually that's what happens instead of all the applicants have positions, unfortunately. So until all the spots are filled, that's what the algorithm does. So it's a different uh, system as well than the US application. So basically it's all objective measures, mm -hmm. right? Like there's no subjectivity to the system at all. It's all numbers. You don't all do numbers. interviews, you don't do any of this stuff. No. No. And and basically one of the points I guess is if you, uh, what, like if you graduated from a British medical school does that give you more points or is it just concurrent with what you get in your tabs I guess there's like an equivalency. So that was actually uh, what was what used to happen back in 2019 and before that there used to be priority for the people applying with British medical degrees. However, after all the applicants after 2019, all the applicants have been pulled together. So there's actually no preference or priority to any group of applicants whatsoever. So yeah, and it's not only, so we know that in the US, there it's not really stated that American medical graduates have priority over international medical graduates, but the numbers do indicate that they do. Last year, for example, American medical graduates, AMGs, had a 92% match rate, whereas IMGs had around a 50, 55%, if I'm not mistaken. So there is obvious, obviously a preference in there, even if it's not stated explicitly in the application process. However, with the UK system, it's really an anonymous application and there's no preference to any group of applicants, regardless of your citizenship or medical school that is very interesting, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm learning quite a bit from you today. <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> it's almost like they have a better system. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Violeta, I'd like to ask about uh, postgraduate training uh, after medical school. So you mentioned the foundation program. So uh, for a person who's not well uh, informed about the UK system, how is that different from, say, an uh, intern year in residency? Does that include residency or is it something before how does what what's the training like after after graduating medical school so this is where it gets complicated now for the uk <laughs> so far i think the uk had a let's say a more straightforward application than the us mm -hmm. but now this is where the situation flips the uk postgraduate medical training is slightly different than the us one so we know that in the US, you graduate from medical school, you're allowed to go into residency. And after that, you may or may not continue into a fellowship training. Now, when it comes to the UK, after graduating, you must do a foundation year one and foundation year two. That is if you graduated from a British medical school. Both foundation years are paid internship years that allow you to rotate at different specialties. You prioritize the specialties that perhaps you want, but there's no guarantee that you will receive them because obviously there's many applicants. For example, I prioritized internal medicine and surgery 
Luckily, I happened to receive those for my foundation year one. Now, this is something that is, let's say, a poor aspect for the UK for some applicants because they view it as, oh, I need to do two extra years before I can actually, let's say, enter internal medicine per se. Mm -hmm. However, I do think it has some positive aspects to it. I have noticed that doctors that have graduated from the UK have a really wide understanding of specialties beyond the one that they're actually working in because they will probably have rotated in specialties that have nothing to do with what they actually specialized in, but they did those special, they, they did those rotations at the beginning of their training. So they really have a very holistic view of many specialties. And that allows you, I think, to improve on your interdisciplinary skills, just knowing what the other person and another specialty might be facing, might be going through, and I think it's also a good way in case you're not really sure of what specialty you like, you're not really sure what you want to go into. This is a really good way to explore different specialties because you're getting paid while doing so. You're working, you're already a doctor and you're caring for patients, you're doing what you love. And so it can actually allow you to discover new things, you know, to perhaps change the specialty that you were planning on applying to. And, and how many years is it? Let's say you do the, the two years, foundation one, foundation two, you decide internal medicine or surgery. How many years of training do you have after that? Is it limited or is it like just keep on training until something happens? <laughs> well, so for, so you have foundation year one, foundation year two, those are two years. After foundation year two, some applicants perhaps choose to go into a research year or do a foundation year three to enhance their portfolio before applying to core training. With core training, which is three years, that's the, the equivalent to the US residency. That's when you finally declare your specialty, you apply to a specific specialty and hope you get in. And for example, let's use internal medicine as an example. That's where you would be specifically an internal medicine trainee, which lasts for around for three years. After that, you then apply for specialty training, which let's say you did internal medicine and then you want to continue into GI or cardiology, for example. That's the specialty that you'll be applying to as core training. That core training can last from three, five years because some of them actually also give you a subspecialty within it. So let's say you applied for neurology. At the end of it, you may do an extra year and you already have a subspecialty within stroke, for example. So it is a long process, but at the end of the day, the way I view it, for example, is you're working, you are stable, you're supposed to be doing what you love, so it works for me. <laughs> so basically, if you go into internal medicine and decide you want to do uh, pulmonary medicine afterwards, that would be five years or specialty training. Yeah. So, so two more years of specialty training, maybe after yeah, the first so, years of internal medicine. Yeah. So every specialty actually has its very own unique pathway. 
And actually, I've been trying to click on each specialty because I want to try and find, let's say, a common ground to sort of explain it and so that I can put it on my website because I know that the UK postgraduate medical training is really complicated to understand. I'm, I'm starting in it next week and I'm still discovering things in it because it's not as straightforward as residency and then fellowship. It's slightly more complicated. So I'm trying to find the simplest way to, to sort of graphically explain it, for example. So uh, we mentioned how the selection process is for foundation year. So for specialty, is it also the same process? Is it a point-based system? Or how, how is a person selected for the specialty he wants to go into? So that's where things do change. In that case, it's more based on portfolio. For example, if you've done any research, if you've attended conferences within the specialty that you're applying to, if you have uh, actually rotated in that specialty and what your mentors have written about you. So it becomes a more personal application. Okay, okay. Yeah. And are there also exams moving into specialty? Yes, so you have the MRCP, mm-hmm. which I think must be done before you apply for core training. So I'm also discovering okay. what the path is. <laughs> wow. It's so complicated, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so basically, first step is to get into core training. Second step is to get into your specialty of choice. While in the US, you get into your specialty of choice potentially up front. So that's why there might be a difference too in terms of you need to do interviews and stuff because it seems like when you want to go into core training, you need to know people, get letters of recommendation and potentially do interviews to get into your core training. Excellent. So I was going to ask you a question about life in the UK, but it seems that you have not experienced it yet. So it might not be an appropriate question at this point. I can give you my life from quarantine. (laughs) I mean, actually, actually, the process to get into the UK, visa-wise and paperwork-wise, is a little bit complicated, but I believe that is the case for many countries. Uh, But I do think the lifestyle here is very nice. And I've heard that from many of my friends here. Uh, I think there is a better work-life balance here in the UK as opposed to the US. Um, I think on average here, the work week is around 50 hours on average, whereas in the US, it can go up to 80 hours a week. So that is a big difference, I think, between both pathways. And uh, yeah, and uh, you know, there are cities, it depends also where you want to apply to, if you want to be in a city like London, if you want to be more in the suburbs, outside of a city, you know, there's a place for everyone, I think. Right, right. Yeah. Excellent. And so, yeah, so I think, uh, I think uh, in this podcast, you were able to get from you uh, the pathway to apply to the UK, uh, both for... uh, the initial part of Foundation 1 and Foundation 2 and subsequently for the uh, specialty training in, in the UK. Uh, just one more question, and I think uh, we should be good after that. It, it is, after you're done with your specialty training, you become an attending or a faculty, right? Depends. Yeah. Uh, and how does the pay differ between like an attending uh, and a trainee? Because here in the US, there's a big difference in pay. Uh, when you go from training to becoming an attending or in private practice. I don't know if that's similar in the UK or not. 
Well, here the pay does go up with every single year that you advance to. So even between foundation year one and foundation year two, your pay does go up because your responsibilities go up. However, in general, the US doctors are better paid than UK doctors. So I think maybe that is also a selling point for the US. <laughs> uh, but for example, here I believe some of the expenses are less. For example, healthcare expenses, if you were to need healthcare at any point, you have here the NHS, which yes, it has its problems like any other place in the world, but it is a system that is being able to deliver results for its citizens. So pros and cons for everything, really. <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, thanks to both of you for being uh, with us today on the podcast. And hopefully, Violetta, you'll update us in the next couple of months about how, how, how you're adjusting to life there and training, uh, training yes. over there. And, hopefully, uh, yes. yeah, we, And we'll make sure to update everyone about you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Eli, also thanks uh, for being here. I think we're, uh, you're in Baltimore, I'm in D.C., so we're not that far away from, uh, from each other. Yeah, just and, an hour away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to have you, I'm going to need you to get ready for uh, a potential podcast about uh, postdoctoral applications to, to the U.S. Sure, I'd be glad. I just, I just put you on the spot now. <laughs> <laughs> you can run. <laughs> I'd be more than happy. I guess my own application was put on the spot with all that's going on. So yeah, that, should, that should be fun. All right. Thank you. Thank right. you. Have a great afternoon. Have a great evening.